Welcome to Coaching the Brave podcast with Yovana Chase. I am Yovana Chase, and I am here to provide you positivity and possibility because hope and community is something that we all strive for and we all really need. So enjoy and sit back. I am so thankful that you are here another week because what we're going to be discussing here is just so many fun people who are not only part of the military community, but who are also part of the civilian community and who have things to offer for the military. And it's not only about interviews and chatting together, but it's also about experiences of coaching and meditations and just fun little quirky things that come to mind that I just want to share with you. And I hope that they bring you a light at the end of the day to take with you toward to the rest of the week. And I hope you really enjoy. Without further ado, let's get into it. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> we have one of my really awesome friends here today. Her um, name I will get to in just a moment, but I just want to introduce her and what she's all about for you for just a little bit here. She is a veteran military spouse and writer of poetry and prose. Her writing invites readers to hold space for the complexities of living as she delves into topics related to mental health, identity, and faith. She is currently the managing editor of the Fellow Follow House. Her writing has been featured in Magnolia Journal, The Fellow House, The Honest Co., the world needs more love letters and more. She lives near Charlotte, North Carolina with her husband and three children. Connecting with us today is Katie Drobina. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here with you. Oh my gosh. It's been too long. I'm so excited mm-hmm. too. Yes. <laughs> yes. So how is everything going right now, right in this present moment for you? Good. I'm feeling good. The sun is out today and we've had rain for the whole week. So it feels really great to see some sun and to open the windows a little bit. Um, Yeah, we're getting used to North Carolina winters, which are very different than (laughs) um, Tennessee or other places we've lived. Um, So yeah, when the sun comes out, it's all the windows, you know, all the curtains are open. Oh my gosh, yes. Get all the clarity, all of the vitamin D you can. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> After a whole week of rain, I can imagine. That's yes. what we were expecting here in Washington, all the rain, but there has not been a lot of rain. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. It's, yeah. It's super different from 22 years ago when I was here living before. It's definitely yeah. nice. <laughs> That's nice. We'd love to yeah. get out there sometime. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. You're always welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all you who are listening, Katie and I met where we used to live. We were stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky together, and we were neighbors. And yes. we just hit it off right away. <laughs> yes. And our kids did too. So that's yeah. helped. They all oh, had buddies. 100%. So, yep. yeah. They all kind of grew up together in the short time that we were there together. And oh, for sure. It's for a roller sure. coaster, but it was good. It was, it was a good. memorable time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So tell us a little snapshot of your years before joining the military and like 15 minutes or less, including like where For sure, you're yeah. Yeah, like where you're from and what your schooling is, if you have any. Yeah, I grew up in Missouri, um, born in St. Louis, and then moved um, about 45 minutes west of St. Louis when I was only three or four years old. Um, And then I lived in the same house um, from age four until um, I left for college, which, you know, that stability was great, but also I wasn't used to moving a lot. So that was a change for sure. Um, so I grew up on a Missouri river, a small town on the Missouri river, um, which had its own culture and its own identity. Uh, and I fought that identity so hard for so long, just, um, very much wanting to, to get out of there and get to a big city, um, and just explore outside of my comfort zone really. Uh, and so, Um, My first year of college, I went to a school in Chicago, um, spent a year in Chicago, quickly realized did not have enough financial aid to sustain that. (laughs) So I ended up at a school in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, finished up my my degree there. Um, And while I was there, I... I realized I was I was majoring in education and I realized that I was not drawn to teaching groups of children, 25 plus. I was drawn to the one or two who were really struggling and just needed someone to be close to them and to understand them um, and and to be a support person to them. And so before I finished my bachelor's degree, I decided to go ahead and get my master's in social work. And so I attended the University of Missouri and received my MSW. Yes. And yes. So I have my MSW. Um, I'm not currently using that uh, per se in traditional methods. Um, but in that time is when um, I met Todd. I met Todd my senior year of college. Um, and so my experience with the military really started there um, at that point. Wow. Was he already in the military or did you guys decide? Yeah. So Todd had already been in the military. Um, He had already been in for, I can't remember, I think it was about five years. Um, And so we actually met on eHarmony. Um, (laughs) There's no way we would have met otherwise. Uh, He was current at that time he was serving in Iraq um, and I was in St. Louis. And so, I mean, we had to, you know, continents between us <laughs> um Amazing. and we met on eHarmony and um he didn't know it but I knew it that like that, that was it like that was the one um and so the first six months of our relationship were extremely long distance mm-hmm. with him being in the Middle East and me being in the Midwest <laughs> of the United States <laughs> and <laughs> we at that time, um, it wasn't like deployments are now where you have a lot more access. Mm. Um, smartphones weren't really a thing. Um, Skype, if anyone remembers Skype, Skype yes. was a thing. Yeah. And so we we <laughs> we Skyped a few times, but he was also able to use his um he worked for a general at the time and he was able to use his sat phone. So nice. <laughs> the first time we ever spoke was 
via sat phone, which is just so funny <laughs> to think about. <laughs> That's really typical military. Right? Um, right? Can't get any more military and, than that. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, like the first time we spoke, um, it was just kind of surreal to get a phone call from a sat number. Um, and yeah, our relationship stayed long distance for a bit um, until... Uh, he came back to the States and he was stationed in Arizona. And then I went down there for a summer. Um, and the rest is history. We got engaged and then married and, and the military life began <laughs> for me. That is so beautiful. I love that you were able to harness yourself in the fact that you lived in a smaller town. You were there just nurtured and protected. And then you decided, Hey, I want to just broaden my wings and my reality and go as far as getting your masters. Like that is amazing. (laughs) I love that. I praise you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you. I've always been driven so that it, you know, it was kind of in the natural progression of things, I think. Um, and I love learning. Like, that's something I still love to do. I'm just a continuous learner. And that will never change, no matter how old I get, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, when you and Todd got married, what was your first student station? Where did you, where did the army take or the military take you? <laughs> Yeah, so that's interesting. Our first duty station together was Fort Hood um, in Texas, and we, very typical military, we got married in May. I moved to Texas with him, and then in August, I had to come back to Missouri because I was in my second year of grad school, and so um, that first year of marriage was spent separated quite a bit, like geographically separated. Um. Yeah. And then that January, um, I found out I was pregnant with our first baby. And so that was a big transition and change as well. Um, and from there, actually, we we do have like kind of a non-traditional pause in service that we've experienced. Um, Todd left the army. Um, he was enlisted and his MOS wasn't um, promoting And so he left to finish his degree uh, with the intent to go back as an officer. And um, so we spent almost two years outside of the active duty side. But in that time, he was in the reserves. Okay. Um, And then when that would have been when my little guy was almost two, um, Todd went back in and went through OCS and um, that, that's where the rest of our career picked back up and we spent probably the most time together in that portion of the career. Okay. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. You know, and I love the fact that you brought that up because a lot of, a lot of who I've been talking to is army because that's where I'm, that's my home Mm -hmm. army, but being in the reserves, tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that. Those were two years of your life. Yeah, it was so very different. <laughs> um, much more laid back, for sure. Um, it, you know, it's it's a weekend, basically a weekend a month. And then they do like a, a two week training in the summer, at least at the time we were there. Um, and it it was not, I mean, I almost don't even remember 
being a part of the military in that time because it's just not the same. You know, they're okay. they're only doing it on weekends once a month. Um, and the unit he was with, there was no big community surrounding it. Um, so it was very different <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. And going to the support aspect, did you have mm-hmm. a community of your own with other spouses or were you, how was your life while he was in the there? reserves? Yeah. There were, no, there was not really a community um, for us in that, in our situation. So no, there was nothing like that. But I would say the stressors were so different that it was okay because I had community elsewhere. Um, So yeah, and and the pressures aren't the same, at least in our experience. Um, It's just very different. Yeah. And you know, I love, I love to bring that up too, because we're all so personality different that um, mm-hmm. how were you able to have that community elsewhere? You know, how, like, let's say if there was someone who was, who is in the reserves listening right now, yeah. like what, what could you give them for, I don't know, some type of outreach or some type of community outside? Yeah. I mean, I know that there are programs for reserve families. Um, maybe blue ribbon program is one of them. Um, but there are personal, like what what were you able to do? Like, what was that? Yeah, I think. So at that point I was more involved in my actual community where we were living. Um, and so, uh, finding for us, finding a church was important. So Mm -hmm. being involved in a church, um, I also had a new baby. And so there was a lot of at home time and not as much, um, (laughs) outreach and I was working full time. So, um, yeah, so my job was probably where I spent a lot of (laughs) most of my time, uh, within community. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then, um, what about your family? Where were you guys in the reserves? Were you back in Missouri or were you? Yeah, we were in Missouri. And so we were about an hour from my family. So that was helpful too. Like we had family around, um, which was good. Um, because on the active side, we were never that close (laughs) to (laughs) our families. Yeah. I mean, Texas to Missouri, that's what driving. It's not even. Yeah, it was probably 12 hours, and then we were stationed, the farthest we've been stationed is El Paso, Texas, and so that was 20 to 24 hours of a a drive, so, like, four days in a drive. (laughs) It was, we would do it in, like, 10 hour, 10 hours one day, 10 hours the next day, and just hope and pray we could make it. (laughs) It was rough. Especially with littles. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yeah. And a dog. Yeah. It oh, was yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> we make those sacrifices though, right? We do. I learned how to Tetris my van. Like yes. no other. I can pack a van so well um, <laughs> with all the living creatures safely tucked in as well. So, yes. <laughs> those skills, life skills. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> and then tell us about how your career flourished within that military life. And how yeah, you were I think, able to like stay connected to it. So it's an interesting topic because in some respects, I did give up my career. I did set it down. Um, my career in social work, uh, I, I had intended to become a clinical social worker um, and and provide counseling services on an individ, you know, to individuals. And that was just for me, I did not have the capacity 
to do that, to be a military spouse, raising children thousands of miles away from family um, and pursue my career. Um, So in some ways, I lost a lot. And I think that's a topic um, that's not often discussed among military communities are the sacrifices of the spouses. Um, Not that we're sacrificing our lives or limbs or, you know, not to the extent, um, but there are these little losses that happen along the way um, as we choose to support our service members. Uh, And that was one for me. That was one I am only now starting to recognize as um, needing to be grieved and also needing to be um, just held and and explored again now that we're outside of of that. Um, Now for my writing, I will say the military, like the lifestyle gave me opportunities to explore my writing by... (laughs) in some ways, um, being at home alone with children and Mm -hmm. husband deployed, like there was time to think and to dream um, and to find poetry in places that were feeling really hard and challenging and also finding it in places that were really beautiful that I just wanted to to capture as almost a snapshot. Um, And so I kind of stumbled my way back into that poetry and creative writing after the birth of my second baby um, and found an online community of writers, which became such a source of um, inspiration and um, I think just this coming together in a way that I could do no matter where we moved. Like it it didn't matter if we moved Oconus, if we stayed in the States, it didn't matter what time zone I was in, I could be a part of this community and I would not have to say goodbye. Um, And so so it was so powerful. I think online communities, I would say after 2020, I think there's more appreciation for them for sure. Uh, But I do still think people don't um, fully accept the power of an online space um, that's created to be intentional. And so finding that community was literally a lifeline (laughs) through the multiple deployments we had and moves. Um, We moved nine times in 10 years. Mm. And that's a lot of transition um, for a grown-up, but also for kids and and trying to be a grown-up to help walk kids through that requires a different level of resiliency and grace and kindness that I don't think I knew I possessed until I walked through it. Um, You're speaking the words right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's one of those baptism by fire moments. Um, We had two deployments in the course of three years and our last deployment he deployed eight weeks after the world shut down with COVID. Um, And we had just moved, like we moved 10 days before lockdown into our new home right next to you guys in Tennessee or Kentucky. And then the world shut down and eight weeks later he deployed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a very, very challenging time. I think for me personally, as a military spouse, 
Yeah. I mean, just not, you know, the world knowing about this uncertainty event Mm -hmm. and then not having your husband knowing that he's fighting the fight and Mm -hmm. who knows what else, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. so much going on in the world. Yeah. And community, you know, community is huge. And to move into a new community where you can't, you can't do anything community wise because everything shut down. We were all under lockdown and rightfully so we didn't know if we could even introduce ourselves to our neighbors, right. if that was safe. Um, right. And if that's the loving and kind thing to do. So there was just a lot of isolation. Um, and I think just the the culmination of that truly helped me understand how important community is for all of us, but especially for military um, families, children, and members. Um, that community is, is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that, you know, there's people who are willing and open to that community as well, that makes it 10 times better. You know, when, when you move to a place and then the world shuts down and it's almost like, where do I, what is my identity here? Right. Like, what do I build here? What can I build here? Like, you want to be able to push those boundaries just a little to see where you fit in. And if you Mm -hmm. aren't welcomed into that space, it's hard. It's so hard. But thankfully, thankfully, we had that. (laughs) Yes. Yes, for sure. Our neighborhood was such a great neighborhood. um, And I'm so grateful for the experience there. Yeah, For sure. Me too. Me too. I I hope and pray for everyone to have that type of experience too, at least somewhere so they can hold on to that feeling, you know, to the next place if it's not, you know? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So with, you know, it sounds like we're kind of transitioning into possibly like a little bit more of a deeper kind of weighing Mm -hmm. situation. So I'm curious, what was one of the biggest struggles in the military that you could think of? Without, you know, breaking. (laughs) For sure. I think um, for me and I know for others, one of like the hardest thing for me were the constant transitions. Um, Like I said, we moved a lot and probably a lot more than most people um, do. We were never anywhere longer than three years. And we had several places where we were there for only six months at a time. And so there was never this feeling of settling in. In most places that we were um, living. Um, so that was really hard for me. I'm an introvert. I um, love people, but it does cause me to expend energy to get out and be with people. Um, and so there were certainly times in in our military service time that I just, I couldn't. You know, when you're someplace for six months, there's only so much you can do community wise. Um, and so I, I had to learn where to show up and and how I wanted to show up in a way that was authentic to myself, um, but also didn't keep me in isolation. Um, and I think I also had to let go of a lot of maybe a lot of the vision of what I thought my life would look like. Um I don't think I had ever envisioned moving nine times in 10 years and and not having a home that my children, like one singular home where my children grow up and have neighbors who are, you know, growing along with them and just a community that becomes like a village. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think that's been, that was hard for me to grieve that. Um, And of course the unknowns of like, oh, are we going to have a deployment at this duty station or what's the training schedule looking like here? Um, Those were the hardest things. And I know that I'm not alone in that. Like that's, that's a challenge for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, there was some type of planning there too, anticipation that you were able to develop on top of that. Is that kind of like, is that true? Hearing how, right. how how do you mean? Um, like a leaving that grief, you know, processing through the grief of not being able to kind of plan out what your future would look like or vision. Yeah, and then now turning into an expectation, like what you know of planning. Yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I think I think noticing that what I thought life would be like isn't allowed me to also open up for experiences that I would have never expected. Um, And I have met so many beautiful people in all these different places we've lived um, who come from such diverse backgrounds. And I don't think I would have experienced that if we had not um, been in the military. Mm. Um, The people who have been a part of my story uh, have had such an impact, even if they don't know it, (laughs) um, on just broadening my perspective and opening up my heart, um, and my ability to, to truly listen and see people, uh, as opposed to jump to conclusions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one of those like biggest struggle struggles turned to successes, like, oh, wow, this is a really big struggle and look what it made way for. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that with us. This mm-hmm. is amazing. I, I really hope that it's, 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 you know, someone is hearing this and that they're, it's really touching their heart and that they can walk away, you know, with a little bit of hope. Because I know yes. we all struggle with so many different things. And it's so good yes. to hear it from other military spouses who are going through the same. And, you know, now that you've transitioned again, transition to civilian life how has that been because it hasn't I mean it's almost a year now um it'll be a year in April um yeah it's not for the faint of heart it is hard um it is hard to leave a culture um because essentially that's what you're doing is leaving a culture and an identity um and traditions um that just have become a way of life and then you join back in with the civilian world we're also not in a military community at all um they're the closest military installation i think is bragg okay (laughs) and that's a couple hours away so we're not it's not like we're even in a city that has a, a base or an installation at all and so that culture is very far removed from where we live at this point. Um, and so it's been, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right. It has been a challenge. <laughs> it has been a challenge um, individually for each of us as family members, um, but also together. Uh, we've had to learn to walk through another transition. Um, but the beautiful thing about it is that in all of these transitions, over the course of our family's timeline, if you will, we've always had each other. That's never changed. That's never left. Um, and I think that's probably 
one of the greatest successes that we've had as a family is to remember that we are what we need. Like we are here together and we're not going anywhere, no matter how hard it gets, how challenging it gets. Um, and we can do the hard together and we can do the joy together. And um, yeah, that has been such a blessing, uh, even in, in the hard moments. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so beautiful. And where, or how has your faith played a role in your transitions, your life in general? That's, we definitely don't have time for that, (laughs) but I will do my best. (laughs) Um, Faith has been an evolving thing for me over the years, as it is for most of us, I'm sure, as we, as we go through the various seasons of, of adulthood and growing up. Um, I grew up in faith. I grew up Lutheran, attended a Lutheran school. So the foundation was laid. Um, and I would say that over the years, it has been mostly a coming to terms with my knowing, my knowledge of my faith but also the experience of my faith. Um, And that's kind of where I am at this point is in that experience. Like, what does this mean actually to me? Who is God? Who has he been in my life? Who does he continue to be? Um, You know, trying to find him in each of the places um, that have been hard and beautiful. Um, We have always been the family who tries to find a church community. Um, But we've also struggled with that. Uh, When you move so frequently, it can be hard to find that. Um, And we've had several duty stations where we've, we've found great community, faith community and others where it's just been harder. Um, And now we're, we're actually at a place where we've found a, um, a community that I'm just so eager about and excited about, which is is great um, because it's been a, a hard couple of years of wrestling with my faith. Um, it can be really easy to to wonder where God is when you experience a lot of adversity. Um, and in the military, there's no shortage of adversity yeah. <laughs> and no shortage of of life being interrupted and plans being interrupted and often just feeling like um, you're giving, giving, giving and not getting anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been it's been a, a journey for sure to really confront God <laughs> within that um, for me. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I really I know and I have faith in you that all will sort itself out. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> there there are no um everything on our journey is there for a reason. And even when you're in the midst of it and doesn't make sense, um, it's just so much easier to believe that it's there for a purpose mm-hmm. than it is to believe that it's just awful. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um that's kind of where I, I sit is like nothing is an accident. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm here to learn as I go and um, just trying to hold gratitude in it all, too, no matter uh, if it feels like something to be grateful for yeah. or not. 
You have so many amazing nuggets and your your just passion for who you are as a person and your demeanor and all of that is just it's resonating. And mm-hmm. I and I Thank love you, you Katie. It's not, it's not just of me. I have been <laughs> impacted by you and so many wonderful people who have come alongside me when I just can't say that or believe it or view it in that way and have reminded me. So thank you for you and this podcast and your willingness to show up for us because it's great. We need that. It's, it's so needed. Thank you for that confirmation. It's something that's been on my heart for a very long time and I'm happy that we could share together to the world. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Thank you so much, Katie, for your time today. And I wish you all the best. And I'm sure we'll connect, we're going to keep connecting. <laughs> yes. Let's have coffee sometime, okay? Yes, let's do <laughs> I'll it. I'll fly out to Seattle. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, with, you know, where we can find you. Tell us a little bit about that. We have about three sure. minutes. Yeah. So you can find me online. I have my own website at uh, com. Um, my website's not where I spend most of my time. You can find me hanging out more so on Instagram at K uh, at Katie Drobina and also on Facebook at Katie Drobina. Um, that's where I share my writing. I share other thoughts. Um, you kind of get a glimpse into my world, my life. Um, and yeah, I'd love to, to meet you over there and to have you join along. Um, it would be wonderful. Your words are inspiring and they're so touch felt. They're heartfelt. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Katie. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye. What an amazing conversation that was. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your knowledge, and your skills with the Coaching the Brave community. We appreciate you so much. And for you listeners out there, if you enjoyed it and it really touched your heart and you thought of someone that it could benefit, share it with them. Thank you again for listening. I encourage you to review. Check out my website as well, yovanachase.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Coaches. And I am here because I want to help you succeed. I want to help you be a more positive you. And right now I'm doing a promotion where you will get a one-on-one holistic fat loss program. Um, You can get a free 15-minute call with me. So if you head on over to my IG, under my bio, you can find that Calendly uh, link where you can go ahead and sign up for that. I'm excited to speak with you in person. Oh my gosh, through this Zoom virtual life here. So if you are interested or know someone who might be interested in losing 20 pounds in 90 days holistically, please share, sign up. And again, I cannot wait to talk with you next week. Have a wonderful week.